Matthew chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, and I do hope that you can uh, open the Bibles and see this. I, I am praying about this particular message today, uh, moving into the Christmas season or the second or the first advent of Christ, reminding uh, ourselves of how wonderful it was going back and remembering the birth of Christ. So many different uh, sermons that you can preach, um, and they're complex and full of truth. Uh, we can talk about the genealogy of Mary, genealogy of Joseph, the wise men, the uh, the shepherds, uh, Caesar Augustus, the time that uh, Rome, uh, what it looked like in Rome during that time. We could go through a list of of different in the prophecies, the Bible prophecies from Genesis three fifteen all the way through the Bible, and uh, all would be incredible truths to to go. And we may even cover some of those in the next couple of weeks. I don't think I've ever covered a message just on the life of of uh, Joseph. I never. Uh, excuse me. Can you hear this? Okay. Okay. I, I am on right. I'm good. Okay. On the life of Joseph. I've never had the, uh, I never actually preached an entire message on, uh, on his life. And, uh, we, uh, would like to do that here and, uh, just work through some principles and how it applies to where we're at today. And the title of the message, if you're joining us is when God interrupts your plans, <laughs> when God interrupts your plans and God has a way of just, um, walking into your life and, uh, and kind of upsetting the cart and doing something that you may not have agreed with, you didn't know was going to come. And uh, I want to say that uh, from the very beginning, it, uh, Joseph and Mary are very special people that God chose to do this with. And uh, I would look in verse 18 together with you and uh, read these verses and get into uh, this lesson. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she she brought forth her firstborn son. And he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. You pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us uh, to look at the scriptures together. Thank you for the many that are online watching. I do thank you for the opportunity to be able to still communicate the word Uh, through the internet. I thank you for that. I pray you bless those that are uh, home today. Give us grace to look at this truth this morning. Uh, Lord, when you uh, interrupt our plans, uh, help us, Lord, to understand what you need us to understand. Help us to think spiritually today. Uh, I pray that you give us grace to do so. We'll give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
There was a young man by the name of Glenn Chambers uh, back in 1947. He was called uh, to the Andes to be a uh, uh, working the ministry over the radio and to broadcast the message of Christ uh, over the airwaves. And he excited young man, excited about going and and uh, sharing the gospel uh, to those people. In the airport in Miami, he uh, picked up a piece of paper. Uh, in 1947, they did not have cell phones. So he picked up a piece of paper and he wrote a message to his mother and uh, giving her just uh, how excited he was to go. Uh, but the piece of paper that he used to pick up, uh, that he picked up, was a, a, basically an advertisement with one word on one side of the paper, why? And he wrote the message to his mother uh, that he's excited about going to the uh, uh, to to overseas to, uh, to be a missionary. Folded it up and put it in a uh, in an envelope and sent it to his mom. And uh, he did not know, nor did his mom know, that that would be his last letter. Uh, he boarded an airplane, a DC-10, and uh, began to uh, ascend uh, up. And then, when he got over to uh, Bogota, just outside of Bogota, they hit a. Uh, uh, a 14,000-foot cliff and descended into a ravine, killing all on board. So his mother hears the news and a few days later gets the letter. And the letter, as you can imagine, uh, maybe asked the question that she asked, God, why? And, uh, and uh, after uh, much prayer and tears, uh, she came to understand that God's ways were better than her ways. And, uh, and though her plan was for his, her son to go over there and be a successful missionary, God had different plans. And so all of us, no matter who you are in life, you're going to invariably come across the time that you will ask God, why? Why is this happening? Why did that take place? Why are these circumstances being pulled into my life unwelcome? Why am I going through this? And I heard this uh, years ago, and I just uh, had to re-look it up to find out the exact wording of it. But I believe this, that uh, this would really help us kind of fold our mind around this uh, thought, that God is really too kind to do anything but be cruel. God is too kind to be cruel. Number two, God is too wise to make a mistake. And God is too deep to explain himself. Very interesting thoughts when you're going through something that Mrs. Chambers went through or you're going through something where your plans have been interrupted and changed. All other sounds in our life when God interrupts and God changes and God introduces a circumstance into our life, all other sounds are muffled when we begin to claim the sovereignty and the work of God. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a, a gut-wrenching uh, moment when everything that you planned is now gone. Or everything that you planned, your life has now been changed by perhaps a circumstance that you did not know was coming. And I want to point out that, uh, that Joseph, though it's a very, obs- not an obscure character, but one we many times just pass over because we have Mary. And she's the dominant character before the, the birth of Christ. But Joseph is an incredible key to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And yet here's a man that had a plan. Here is a man that had, if you would, ambitions. And he saw all of those plans fall to a million pieces at his feet in a, mo- in a matter of moments. And so what I would say to you is what happened in his life is worthy to note this morning. It's good for me to kind of ponder these thoughts and think about that. And it may help us. It may help us when our dreams are shattered. It may help us when our plans are altered. And, uh, and I think all of us would agree that we have plans. And we have a certain, <laughs> we have a certain way that we want our life to go. Uh, we, have a, we have a cancer-free ambitions. We have uh, heartache-free ambitions. And uh, we, we want to have a certain kind of marriage. We want to meet a certain kind of boy. We want to meet a certain kind of girl. Uh, we would like to live in this particular area. Uh, we like to have maybe a long life. And uh, we would like to have grandchildren. And, and we want to a certain age before we even look at dying. And, and there's so many ways that when you're starting life, you think, wow, I have a plan, and in this plan is my joy, in this plan is my happiness, but what happens when walk, God walks into that whole scenario and disrupts it and changes it without your permission? There, there's the question, and the story before us today is how to react, and I, and I can submit to you that there is nothing biblically wrong with asking God why. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, God has been asked throughout the scriptures, why? Why are you doing this? You'll find if you look at, get a concordance and look up the word why in the Bible, you'll find there's a lot of whys. There's a lot of people that ask God, why did you do this? Why are you doing this in my life? But you will not find that in this story. And I submit to you today that there's an alternative to asking why. There is. You can have a different direction. So if I could just throw this out as an as a alternative to that very age-old question that I think many of us are familiar with, why? Look at verse 18. We'll kind of work through this. Number one, number one, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. So cut, stop there for a second and think about the 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 uh, the time of excitement it would have been for for Joseph. This is exciting. I mean, he is he's engaged to be married. He's looking forward to it. They're betrothed to one another. Uh, Mary's family likes Joseph's family. Joseph's family likes Mary's family. They have not the best city to live in, but it was no doubt their little town. And he's looking forward to uh, building a life together. And and surely they're both excited about their future. They would go out on on dates together. Walk walking through orchards, and, and you, can, you can imagine, Mary's probably saying, hey, this is the man of my dreams, and, and Joseph's saying, this is the woman of my dreams, and good family, nice community, best of circumstances, and not the best of times, but they're going to make the best of it. Exciting. Something else interesting, in verse 18, it says here, before they came together. Interesting phrase there. Uh, this all happened before they came together. So there's an anticipation. I think you can surely uh, imagine Joseph and Mary. Boy, one day we're going to be married. We can be, stay together. Uh, we'll be able to have uh, uh, just the, the joys of marriage and husband and wife. This is going to be wonderful. Can I just say this? They had plans. And they were looking to get married. They were looking. They were espoused to one another. 
But you find here in this phrase, in the same verse, before they came together, watch this earth-shattering news right here. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Wow. So number one, number one, sometimes life has shattering discoveries. There are some things that happen in your life that where did that come from? How could this happen? Now, again, again we, we have the, the rest of the story. Of course, we're, we're, we're knowing the end. But put yourself in Joseph's place right here. He's betrothed to his future bride. Uh, they are going to physically keep themselves pure. Uh, and this was a dur- during a time Joseph uh, discovered that his fiancée is with child. And he knows that he is not the father. Can you imagine the embarrassment of Joseph, the embarrassment of Joseph's family, the embarrassment of Mary's family. This was a reproach not only to their homes, but to the entire community. Now, it's different today, but it seems here that Joseph is introduced to something that he was not planning. Here is a good, moral, young Jewish girl that is now pregnant. She is with someone else's child, and everything in his life has been shattered, in his mind. And that's how life is. Now, all of us have times where things are set up just the way we want, and then some event comes in and takes place. And then we see our hopes and our dreams and our plans just shattered, and everything is gone. Now, when these things happen, It breaks our hearts. The Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart set. When you you have something come into your life, it'll break your heart. Something you did not want, even unwanted. However, I think like Joseph, we often are blinded to the fact that God is at work and behind the scenes. And here's the question to ask, where is God in Joseph's situation? Where is God in your situation today? In fact, it was God who's changing the plans of Joseph. In fact, it's God that is altering the plans of Joseph and Mary. He's behind the scenes. He's working. And it may be hard to understand, but things are going to work out. They can't see that, but it's going to work out. But let me note here real quick before we go any further. God does not choose everyone to have a plan change. Do you realize the majority of Christians will not have their plans changed? I mean, majority of Christians will go on through life. Everything will be fine. There was only one Mary and Joseph ever, much less in this town. And so not everyone had their plans changed. Mary and Joseph did. Can I say this? Mary, the Bible says, was highly favored among women. And Joseph, the Bible says, was a just man. So here's a couple out of, out of the masses of people that God is going to choose to lift up above the heads of many millions of people from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the world history and say, I'm going to use this couple to fulfill a biblical prophecy. Here's the point. God does not use everyone and change everyone's plans. But when he does, you understand, you're very special. You are special to God if he changes your plans. The Bible is very clear. See, God, the Bible says, works in ways that you cannot understand. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. 
Isaiah chapter 55. And I want you to pick it up in a couple of verses here. Isaiah 55. We're in COVID-19, 2020. We're going to have COVID-20 in 2021. (laughs) And we're going to, it just seems like it's the new norm, right? All of our plans, especially pastors dealing with all this and and having to navigate through this very difficult time with the gathering of people in the one place, in the one building, over an hour long, and it is a challenging, difficult time. But I know that God has a plan, and God's got a, he's working something that we can't see. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. The Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Now, verse nine, for as, watch this, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your ways and my, 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 rather my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So here's what God says. Now, listen, he says, I'm going to try to make this, uh, I'm going to try and explain this. You don't think like I think. We, we just, there's no way for you to think the way I think. And in addition to that, your ways are different than my ways. So let me make this clear. He says, I'm, I'm going to try, try to get you to understand uh, how vastly different we think and how vastly different our ways are by giving the illustration of verse number nine. Here's how I'll say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. Now, for you to look at that and say, well, just breeze right over that. Go to verse number 10 and say, wow, God is making us to, to really hone in on that difference. And looking at, wait a minute, wait a minute. Think about that. Ponder that thought for a second. He says, the difference between my thoughts and your thoughts is the difference between the earth that you're living on and the height of the heavens. So anyone can go outside and look up and say, wow, that's pretty high. Wow. Okay, now I start to understand, at least in part, that there is a huge difference in how God thinks and how I think. I looked it up and just out of curiosity, how big this universe is. And by the way, there's millions of universes they believe outside of our universe and galaxies. And, and we did a lot of study on that several, a couple of years ago. But they believe that the universe that we live in right now is 46 billion light years high. Now, uh, in fact, the heavens are so high that the earth, human beings, we can't possibly see everything. And, and for, for, for light to travel 186 miles per second, and the light year being 46 billion light years away, you can see this is huge. One light year, for example, is 6 trillion miles. Can you imagine getting in a Chevy, Chevy truck and traveling 6 trillion miles? And that yet is God's explanation of how different we are and how we think in our ways. So, so here's the point. When we go into times where our life is being disrupted, can we just say that God knows better than we do? And we know that his ways are better than our ways. In other words, if God were to give us two choices, your way of living or my way of having you live, your choice should be let God have his way and you should let go of your way. Does that make sense? And yet for the most part, 
most of us say, no, no, no. I can see my way. I like my way. Your way, even though it's bigger than my way, I don't understand it. Most people would love to just stay in their way. I, I, I want to remind you that not many people get this opportunity. Look in verse, if you would, back, if you would, back in uh, our, our text. And I could go to some illustrations on this, but I'm not going to right now. But let me remind you that life brings with it Shattering discoveries. You find out you had cancer. You found out your wife is going to be taken from you. You find out that there's a sheriff at your door letting you know that your son or your daughter were uh, killed. When you find out that he walked out on you, you find out that your kids are whatever. I mean, you go through a list of shattering discoveries that just hit. Loss of a sibling. But you note number two that once this discovery is made, it required a life-changing decision for Joseph. This is interesting. Stay with me on this verse 19 here. Verse 19, when then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. When God disrupts our plans, we can either get bitter or we can get better. When God disrupts our plans, we can either trust or we can turn away. We can glorify God. We can go back to the world. We can, we can, we can, uh, we can curse God as Joseph, Job's wife did and ask God, t- tell your husband, curse God and die. Or you can say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The choice really is ours on our response to shattering news or plan change in our life. In verse 19, it says, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, and says, was minded to put her away privily. I want to note here real quick that in the middle of all this difficult situation, it's not by accident that Joseph's character is revealed. Now, it says here that he is a just Man simply means he was blameless. He was blameless under the law. He had a good reputation in town. He paid his bills on time. He was honest. He would say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. A good boy, good man. Before all these events came into his life, before his heart was crushed, we have a just man. And I think this, the times that life gets difficult, reveals who you really are. When life gets hard and goes wrong from our perspective, let's say it this way, the true self comes out. And someone said, said it this way, for what we are in the worst of times is what we really are in our hearts. I mean, if everything's good in your life, You don't know who you are. But when things get bad and God doesn't do what you want to do, he listens to what you say. He hears your words. The real you is revealed when you're in the midst of a questioning of God. I was going to go to Job verses 1, chapter 1, 20 and 22, when in just 53 seconds, Job finds out he lost all of his kids' wealth, his health, and he sits down, and he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a choice. It's a powerful choice. 
And so how you respond to God in a time of difficulty or crisis reveals the depth of your commitment to him and to his will. Multiple examples are coming to my mind right now to explain that, but because of time, I'll move forward. You find here that Joseph now has to make a choice. When it all boils down, the bottom line is, what am I going to do? Now, I think, think about this. Joseph, at this point in the story, does not know that the Holy Ghost had conceived in her. He does not know that. He is having to navigate through three basic choices that, if you look at all the choices, every one of them were right. Okay? How many have ever had to make a decision between right and right? It's easy to make a decision between right and wrong. You say, oh, that's wrong. This is right. I'm going to do this. But when you need to make a decision between right and right, and how about this? Right, right, and he had three. Right, right, and right. There's three decisions here. How about you pastors out there watching online where you're having to make decisions between right and right? Masks? <laughs> no mask. It's like the, it's like the, it's uh, uh, the antichrist subject right here. The, the masks. Masks or no masks. Social distancing or non-social distancing. Right and right. And the churches are split down the middle on this stuff. And the pastor is sitting here listening to one side of the argument say, I'm not coming to church again until people start wearing masks. And the other side of the argument says, I will not wear a mask because Biden told me to wear a mask. Becomes a partisan issue. Y'all with me today? Who's right? They are both right. But there is the will of God. Are y'all here today? Are y'all listening online? Say, pastor, are you talking? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to your kids. (laughs) So what was his choices? Number one, he could publicly humiliate her. In other words, he could accuse her. Uh, I am not the father of this this child. She has committed adultery. Uh, And so, yes, in that moment, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 21 would go into effect, and she would essentially be taken outside of the city, and the men of the city would come and stone her. That's choice. And by the way, that would have been, under the law, a right choice. He could have done that. The second choice that he had to make was he could just divorce her, quietly walk away from her. He would not accuse her and just leave her to raise the child in shame. And it would be basically a, 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 a sentence to lifelong poverty. She would be a beggar. She would have to beg for her food. She would have to raise this child in this city with humiliation the rest of her life. And that was the choice, second choice that he had. Third choice was marry her. I'll marry her and um, I, will, I will act as if that child is my own. And I want to say this right here. The last option would have been rarely the choice of many young men in that time. They would not have said yes to that last option. One of the first two options would have been what they would have done. So so to Joseph, the choice seemed very appealing, but he had to choose one. That's why I feel as a pastor, I've got to make a choice. I'm looking at a congregation sitting in living rooms watching me online, so we've got to make a choice. Churches across America have got to make choices 
And it's no different than this situation. And often life presents us with choices that are less than appealing to our human nature. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I don't like to listen to the one side, and I don't like to listen to the other side. But I have to listen to it. Our duty in these times is to listen to one voice. Now, stay with me, folks. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise all around us. We have voices everywhere. We've got mayor voices and chief voices and pastors' voices and church members' voices and people that are without the church voices. We have critics that are online posting things that are just not true. Voices. And our duty in this time is to listen to that one voice that's going to give us the right choice. Period. So the first choice that he could have made would have been the right choice by the law. The second choice that Joseph could have made would have been the right choice by his conscience. But the third choice that he would have been forced to make would have been the right choice by God. And have you ever tried to make those decisions, those choices, and every one of them in some element are right? That's difficult. That's difficult. You think about Nebuchadnezzar uh, coming into Judah. I wasn't going to mention this, but I'll say it now. You can study this, ladies and gentlemen. You study uh, Jeremiah chapter 42 and 43. You can go to 41, 42, and 43. It's a horrible situation. Judah is going to be taken into captivity back to Babylon. And Jeremiah is one voice out of thousands of voices that are saying, go. Go to Babylon. Build houses, marry wives, build your homes. And the majority of the other voices are saying, no, we ain't going to do that. In fact, Joseph, I mean, uh, uh, Jeremiah was looked at as one that was just against the nation of Judah. They put him in a pit. They fed him with bread. But when you look at the people that came to him, say, okay, Jeremiah, we, we got a question. We want you to tell us what God wants us to do. Should we go to Egypt or should we go to, and whatever you say, we'll do. I mean, we're just letting you know right now that we're okay with whatever God wants, we're going to do it. Jeremiah knows you ain't going to listen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this and you can do your own thing. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Go back to Babylon. I want you to go back and God will bless you. But if you don't listen to me, if you go to, if you go to Egypt, you're going to be, you're going to die by the sword. You're going to die by famine. He went through a list of things that's going to happen if you go to Egypt. The very next chapter says the proud men. <laughs> they said, no, you know what? That ain't, that ain't true. You know what they did? They listened to themselves. They did not listen to Jeremiah. And here's, here's why I'm saying that. Because there is a voice you need to listen to when you're faced with choices. Was it the right choice to go to Egypt? It could have been. Was it the right choice to go back to Babylon? It could have been, but what did God want? You want to study another one? How about the, uh, the Apostle Paul? Should I go to Jerusalem or should I not go to Jerusalem? And you find that some men came to the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit and said, don't do it, and he went anyway. Now, we debated that. We looked at that. Was it right? Was it wrong? Can I say this? Whatever we do, God will still use it. I praise God for that. Whatever mistakes, whatever thing you do, you decide, God is still going to ultimately use it for his glory. But there is a sense in which, which voice are we listening to? 
And I think you find here that Joseph had to listen to a voice. I can imagine his family. What are you going to do? Joseph, she's pregnant. She's not your kid. Can you imagine the voice of Mary? Please don't, don't, don't accuse our daughter. Can you imagine the community? Can you imagine what Joseph had to go through just having to navigate through this? And it was his choice to make. So you'll find here. And by, by the way, verse 19 is interesting because before we, we find he, he actually makes the second choice in his mind. Joseph's decision, I think, is, is really showing his heart. Look at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, watch this, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Not an easy decision to reach. Think about it. In, 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 in this situation, Mary, in his mind, committed adultery against him. And he's exercising, listen to this, he's exercising grace and compassion and forgiveness and long-suffering to one that he believed was guilty. And he had all the law behind him to have her stoned. Wow, this is not easy. Listen, it says a lot about Joseph. I've already said, I think we respond in times of crisis and it shows who we really are. But this is showing the depth of Joseph and the compassion that he had for his wife. I think in his mind, Mary was, though hurt him and crushed his dreams, I think if we can learn anything, he had a good heart and loved her. No one likes their dreams crushed. No one does. I remember I was in Albuquerque, and uh, we uh, sold our house in the southern part of Albuquerque to move up to Rio Rancho, uh, which would be right there. It's on, it's, it's, I think it's called a... Uh, it's a plateau. It's a higher area. It's right next to Intel. We were looking in that subdivision. Lynn and I went out there, and we were young. Uh, I think we had two children at that point. One was on her way, uh, her way. and uh, we were out there. We're looking at homes, and uh, we went into this home, and man, it was beautiful. We could afford it. Uh, we could move in there. We got the proceeds from our house, and they were saying, yeah, buy the biggest house you can get with the money. So we're all, we're, and so I'm like, this is great. We're going to move in. Nice little yard. Lynn's got herself moved in there. She is dreaming for the house, and it wasn't a dream, and it wasn't a revelation. It wasn't a voice, but it was almost as if about a week later, God said to my heart, you're going to start a church. You're not going to be here. Now, guys, if you're watching, I feel bad that women have to be married to men like me. I feel bad for my wife. That is a, because we don't understand how they think. I'm like, hey, by the way, we're not going to get that house. We're going to go start a church and get over it. It's good, you know. But I was moved in. I had everything picked out. And we went through this, not argument, but back and forth. I don't know what's a big deal. Do you want the will of God? Do you want the house? I mean, how? And we went back and forth. And she says, you, you just don't understand. I, I, this was difficult. And you just want me to just, just say, oh, well, let's go right with this. And I just said, well, I said, I just know what God wants. I think we need to start a church. I don't want the house. And we went back and forth. Listen, there are some times where it hurts. It really does to know what God wants and just to go on with it. And we, I believe God's people need to be very careful that our hearts are truly right with God. Joseph here had grace, compassion, and love and forgiveness to his wife. Number three, 
Number two, number one, life-shattering discovery. Number two, required a life-changing decision. And number three, I love this, in verse number 20. And while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. How many understand that it's kind of an advantage that Joseph had that we don't have here? Are you all with me? Can you still hear me? A little bit of an advantage, a dream. You know, I've had some dreams, but not like this. (laughs) They're usually nightmares. Especially if you have COVID. <laughs> he, he, he receives a dream saying, listen to this, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Wow, just to hear that. I find it interesting here to note that the Lord did not send Joseph the answer for the direction he was looking for until he, until he actually made his own decision. Let's see what Joseph does. Wait, wait, wait. Let's hold, see what Joseph does. I'm not going to put her away. I'll just, I'll just uh, do it privately. Now go tell him the answer. <laughs> it's almost as if God waits to see what your heart is before he gives you what he wants you to do. You ever have that happen? And that's what happens here. I think sometimes the Lord allows us to exhaust all of our resources, all of our mind, all of our gray matter into something, reasoning something, and then he starts to give some divine insight as to what we're doing. Now, listen, watch this, watch this. Voices of her family, voices of her family, voices of the community are all voices that no doubt were pushing Joseph to make the decision to either stone her, put her away, or marry her. Most in that community would have said, take that woman out and stone her. Most of them, if not all, would have said that. Human beings are really good at that, aren't they? Baptists are even actually better than human beings in killing each other. We, st- we stone each other through our Facebook posts, and, and we're just brutal with one another. We kill each other with words. Love to do it, too. So I would say 90% of the community said, kill her. Oh. But then he gets the voice of God. And I would say this, when you look at this, in verse number 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 21 is implied that Joseph understood But verse 21, if you could just take verse 21 and lift it out, and it's giving you commentary to the context. Okay, you all with me on that? This is not implied that Joseph heard verse 21, but it is implied that we're understanding what verse 20 means. Is you all here on this? So verse 21 says here, And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Excuse me, everything I just said is applied to verse 22, not verse 21. Because verse 22 says, now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall conceive, and which is Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Y'all with me so far? So watch this. Joseph is getting the dream. Joseph is getting, if you would, what God wanted him to do. And it is a, it is a insight to a biblical prophecy that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. And he is getting the privilege of being only one of two people that are going to know that all through human history. Wow! Can you imagine this revelation that he's getting from this angel? And verse 22 says, And all this was done that it might be fulfilled. So as you look at this, I, I can't prove this. I can't, 
I can't dogmatically say this, but something happens in Joseph that he understands this is bigger than his life. This is huge. He's a carpenter. God uses working class people. Amen. I praise God for that. He's a carpenter. But it required him to make a life-changing decision, which he then received a life-altering truth. Wow. This is big. And so then, God then makes, or Joseph then makes a God-directed decision. Because in verse 24, Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Immediate, watch this, immediate obedience. After he finds out what God wants him to do, you know what? He doesn't deliberate. He doesn't have a coffee over it. He says, I'm going to do it. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. When that Holy Spirit tells you what to do, what do you do? (laughs) I mean, when you're presented with a life-changing decision, and God tells you what you should do, and you know what you're supposed to do, what do you do? That is a clear indicator that Joseph made the right decision here because it was immediate obedience. And he goes to Mary, says, Mary, you're not going to believe this. I understand everything is going on. I got the insight, got the inside scoop. I'm marrying you. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were a good man. I can imagine what Mary thought, you know, just having the relief because she's living with a death sentence, a life of poverty and a life of shame. But now Joseph knows what Mary knows and they're going to get married. Remember, he still doesn't know, at this point, doesn't know how it's going to work out. He doesn't know the details, but he does know God is working. And I I say this, folks, guys, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen online, it is good to know that when you go through things you don't understand, it's good to know that God is working. It's good to know that God's on the throne. Not everyone understands this. The people in the town, no doubt, said, what's Joseph going to do? He's going to marry her. What? He's going to marry this adulterous woman? Yeah, he's going to marry her. Can I just say this? Not everyone in your community or your sphere of influence will understand your faith. They're not going to understand it. In fact, the rumor from Nazareth caught back up to Jesus 33 years later when they accused him of being born of fornication. So this was not something that was going to go away. You're, a, you're born of fornication. You are, you're a, you are an illegitimate child. That's what they saw Christ. And all this was God's plan. And yet true faith does not shrink from the call of God because others do not understand. True faith listens to that voice and simply does as it's told, regardless if anyone likes it. It doesn't stop there. If you can just bear with me a little longer. Verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is bigger than my life. Then it says here, now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord. Now, watch this, this saying here, prophet saying, behold a what? Now, stay with me, virgin. So, Joseph does not have marriage relationships with Mary for the duration of the pregnancy. 
Because verse 25 says, and knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn. Now, stay with me, folks. This is very important. It's one thing to make a commitment to do right, but it's an entirely different principle to live out that commitment day after day after day. You all with me? So here's Joseph now married to his wife, and he should have all the privileges that come with marriage, and yet he does not come and know her in a marriage way because he's now still being obedient to the Lord. Wow. That's why verse 20 does not imply that it was said, but it does imply that he understood a virgin shall conceive. You will be a virgin when that firstborn child comes. Can I say this? He respects the plan of God. And ladies and gentlemen, if we could do this, if we can get our eyes off Newsmax and Fox News and, and all the noise around us, I'm not saying run to the hills. I'm not saying not listen to it. I'm just saying their voices. But we do have a voice that we need to listen to. And that plan, that voice is what we ought to want. And it's the best plan. And it's faith. True faith is willing to put aside all of our desires because we want to do right. God's call on our lives is hard to accept. And it's a hard call because many times you have to say no to your rights to do right. <laughs> Back to the mass. I have a right. You realize you don't have really any rights with God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. <laughs> that was free. I was in the notes. Therefore, glorify God. You have no rights. Are you all here today? Ladies and gentlemen, you have no rights. You are one of God's. And if he asks you to stand in that corner for uh, three hours on a Sunday morning and wear a green pair of pants and pink socks, all of us ought to be going to Walmart trying to find pink socks in the ladies' section, man. And get ready to stand on our heads. Why? Because God said it. Faith does not look at one's own right. I have a right to have relationships with you, Mary, because I'm married to you. No, I'm not doing that. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. You're going to wait. We're going to wait nine months. Can you say this? Faith knows what God wants. It's already served the way. He's already looked at the way. And the best way you can live your life is to live it by faith. And faith says to God, send me. Not only will I say yes, but I will do what you tell me to do. Very quiet resolve. He names the child Jesus. And he is known even today. Even though he steps off the pages of the scriptures almost in obscurity. But yet this is a crucial time for the birth of Christ to have a Joseph. Others don't necessarily understand your faith, but God knows what's best for you. What do you do when God introduces to you something you don't, you don't necessarily agree with? What do you do with plans that God brings your way for you to 
see that there's a better life. There's from here on, it's going to be different. It's going to be remarkable. You don't understand this, but trust me. Not all of us get dreams. I've never had a biblical dream. I've had biblical truths dream. I've had many dreams of preaching to thousands of people with just my underwear on. Many of those dreams. I've had dreams of having no notes. I've had dreams of staff and problems and hell. But I never had a biblical dream where it actually was from God. But I've had many times in the scriptures where he just has spoke to me through this book right here. Turning the news off and turning the, and just what do you want? A few days ago, Roger Lenhart's body was right here in front of us. Twelve grieving family members were sitting in these chairs here. All have questions why. Very healthy. Two weeks ago, and now he's with the Lord. Deanna, which was their baby, I don't mean to be in any way belittling. She's the youngest of all four children. And she's been going through so many difficult things in the last eight months. Breast cancer, treatments, shoulders, heart. The girl has been through a lot. And now her father's gone. Roger would take her down to the Columbus Hospital. They would spend time there. He would make sure she was cared for. Roz and Roger made many times trips making sure that Deanna was as much as they could taken care of. The funeral was on Wednesday and just had a time together, went out to the graveside, I talked to the Lenhart family and let them know how blessed their family was in the community, how privileged they are to have a father, have a grandfather like Brother Roger. And God blesses men. And he sure did bless that family. The next day, Deanna had to go back down to Columbus to continue her treatment. It's radiation or chemo, I'm not sure, but she had to go down to uh, continue. 36 years old, young mother, young wife. She's on her way down to Columbus, and guys, get ready to show this. She asked God, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand your plan. And she said that. I don't understand I'd like to understand. I know, God, you have a plan, but I, I don't know what it is. Again, you've got to understand she's been through a lot. She then, as a little girl would do, to a daddy, she says, Dad, can you help me? Just a fleeting comment, just needing help. Gets down to the hospital where she needs to get treatment. Brother Roger was an amazing man. One of the things that Brother Roger would say often that we would all know, anyone that knew him, he would say the phrase, this too shall pass. I mean, anyone that knows Brother Roger, if you talk to him, this too shall pass. It'll be good. It'll be fine. 
He said this to Deanna on several occasions. He said that to me on several occasions. Times you're going through difficulty, you just go to Roger, call him up, and at the end of every conversation, if not all, if there's a situation that's difficult, he would say those words, this too shall pass. She arrives at her treatment center, sitting in the lobby there. There was a board up there with a magic marker message on it. And I want you to show that, guys. Deanna sees this message. And looking at this message, she sees the hand of God. Medicine for today is Jesus. And the phrase, (laughs) this too shall pass. Deanna looked at that and she said, wow, what are the chances? I've never seen anything like this in a hospital. And she and I talked to her last night. I said, does God do things like that? I said, well, I said, he can. I said, the scripture is somewhat silent on that, but I say this, he gives you the desire of your heart. And he knows what you need, Deanna. And he gave you what you needed to know that Roger's okay. And there's a bigger plan that you can't see. So I don't know about you, but all of us have gone through times where our plans are changed by God's plans. One time or another, most of us face it through life. Or you're looking out of how you wanted to marry at this age. You wanted to start dating at this age. You wanted to have this at this age. And you wanted to have a house, whatever it is. Your plans. And some people try to fix their life by themselves. Some people just quit. I'm done with God. This is how I'm treated. I don't want to uh, serve him anymore. And that is their choice. Because whatever you're participating or not, you still got to live life. And you're saying, you know what? I'm just done with him. Some get angry at God. Some follow man. They try to make it themselves. And their attitude is horrible. But you only really hurt yourself when you do anything but give your life to God. Our prayer today would be something like this. Lord, I don't understand why this has happened to me. I never wanted this. But as it has happened, nonetheless, I'm here before you. And I'm here now to ask you for your help. Even though I cannot see it, I know that you have something better for me than I had planned for myself. Please give me grace to believe it by faith and see it. Those are the people that walk in a victorious Christian life, even in the midst of the worst nightmare, even in the midst of all their plans being ripped away. Those are the people that are blessed in an amazing way. What kind of person are you? And what are you doing with your broken plans? Again, it's a very interesting character. I've never preached a message just on Joseph. But as you look at this lesson, there is multiple truths that we can glean from. Instead of just coming to God asking why, which is no, no, no fault, no, 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 no biblical reason why you can't, I'm saying biblically ask God for direction, for response. Ask God for the right decision. 
because his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. They're vastly different. And putting your life into his hands is the best thing you can do.